0: Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome, and Merry Christmas, and Happy Holy Day. At this time of year, every year, as a preacher, I have a very real dilemma. What part of the Christmas story am I going to focus on this year for the Christmas message? Now, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are what's known as the Gospels. These four books all tell the story of Jesus' life, death and resurrection and so it's from the gospels that we hear the Christmas story and something that's been my practice over the years is whenever I'm teaching a series from one of the gospels I like to take the Christmas story from that gospel and each of the gospels focus on a different part of the Christian message for example in the book of Matthew we hear the story about the wise men But Matthew doesn't tell us anything all about the angels and the shepherds. Luke, on the other hand, has quite a detailed account of Jesus' birth. And Luke tells us about the angels and the shepherds, but he doesn't mention the wise men. The book of John is a very spiritual gospel. And John basically tells us that the one who created the world stepped into the world and he was rejected by men. And this year we've been studying the Gospel of Mark. So what does the Gospel of Mark teach us about Christmas? Nothing, nothing at all. He doesn't mention it. And if you remember the introduction that I gave to the the Gospel of Mark, there is no Christmas story. And so today we're not going to be focusing on how Jesus came, but why Jesus came. The overall focus of the Gospel of Mark, it's all about who Jesus is. He is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And its second focus is about why Jesus came. And a key verse in the Gospel of Mark would have to be Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The son of man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, whenever a baby's born, most families have all sorts of hopes and dreams for their little child. Sometimes they have expectations that they put upon them. That they have an expectation that this child will do this when it grows up. Sometimes it's hopes and dreams that they have for them. Sometimes it's just wonder. Now... Let's just use little Sammy as an example here. He's a bit young, he won't be embarrassed. Uh, When Sammy grows up, I wonder what he's going to be. Will he be a refrigeration mechanic like his dad? Or a school principal like his pop? Or will he be a farmer or a preacher like his grandpa? Or will he be a pianist like his mum? What's Sammy going to be? I think I remember when he was a little baby still in the hospital We looked at his fingers and the long fingers, said, ah, he'll be able to play piano, that fella. But we all have hopes and dreams for a newborn, don't we? I wonder what Mary and Joseph's hope for their little baby Jesus. Did they hope that he would carry on the family business and be a carpenter like Joseph? Well, he actually did for a little while. Or did the words of the angel Gabriel make them wonder about how Jesus was going to become king of Israel? What were their hopes? What were their dreams for their little baby boy? You know, the conclusion of Jesus' physical life is something that none of us would ever hope or dream for our children. To be humiliated, tortured, and executed as a criminal, none of us would ever hope to choose that for our children. But that's what our heavenly father's plan was for his son. That was the whole purpose of Jesus' coming. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus was going to carry on the family business, his father's business of saving the world. In a way, how Jesus was born is nowhere near as important as why Jesus was born. He was born not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you ever find yourself wondering, does God really love me? Well, the knowledge of why Jesus was born should clear that right up for you. The Apostle Paul fleshes this out for us a bit in Philippians chapter 2. He says this about Jesus Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. What does it mean? For Jesus to be servant of all. Now, sometimes when we think about the servanthood of Jesus, you know, we might think about the instances like when he washed the, the disciples' feet, or when he fed the 5,000, or when he just really wanted to have a bit of alone time. So he went out into the bush to just have some time alone, but all of the crowds followed him and he took compassion on them. And rather than getting the alone time that he, that he craved, he gave his time to the people. You know, often we think about those sorts of instances as what it meant for Jesus to be a servant. And yes, they are instances of Jesus being a servant. But I reckon these examples of Jesus' servanthood were but a very minor part of Jesus' role of a servant. Around this time of year in the Christmas season, it's, it's quite common to see scenes on the nightly news where a politician or a royal or a celebrity has their photo or a bit of video up there of them dishing out a Christmas meal at a soup kitchen or a homeless shelter or an old folks home. And, you know, whenever I see these sorts of images, I'm usually quite cynical about it because I can see it for what I reckon it actually is. Nothing but a carefully staged, managed photo op for the celebrity to step down for a moment out of their lavish lifestyle to serve for an hour or two before being whisked away again to the opulence of their normal life. Now, when Jesus came to this earth, it it was not some kind of brief staged managed photo op. This was an enormous thing for Jesus to leave his throne in heaven to be born as a human child. Now, I don't know if you've ever considered this, but a human child would have to be the most helpless of young. If you think of all of the other animals and, and, and what their young are like, I cannot think of, of another animal where its young is so dependent for so long as what a human child is. Now, Jesus is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. The throne room of heaven is the place from which He would send His angels to go and do His bidding. Purity and holiness were His strength, power, might, and honour. He gave all of that up to become a human child. He gave up purity and holiness to be in the squalor of his own excrement. You do, do know that Jesus used to poo in his nappies, don't you? He gave up strength, power, might and honour to become this tiny, helpless, dependent, defenceless child. He gave up his rule and reign so that he could obey his mum and dad and and go and pick up his stuff when his mum told him to and do the chores. That's how Jesus humbled himself. And even when he grew into an adult, his his humility continued. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. You ever heard of a king's ransom? You know what a king's ransom is? A king's ransom is when a king gets captured and he's held for ransom. It is what a nation would pay to get their king back. And throughout history, there's been times when this is is exactly what's happened. A king has been captured in war and he's held for ransom. And the amount that a nation would pay to get their king back would bankrupt that nation. But Jesus is like a reverse king's ransom. Instead of the plebs, the nobodies, being taxed enormously to try and pay this ransom for their king, our king, the king of kings, the the lord of lords, the king of heaven, the greatest king of all, gave his life as a ransom to save us, the plebs, the nobodies. The highest of the high gave his life to save the least of the least. People like you and I. Christmas time, the celebration of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ is a time of immense joy. But it brings tears to my eyes when I realise why Jesus was born. This is why Christmas is so special. And this is why the Christmas carols are filled with so much worship. How should one respond to this? How should one respond to the reason that Jesus was born? Well, in Philippians, reading from verse 9, Paul proclaims, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, Jesus isn't a baby any longer. The manger is empty. And so is the cross. And so is the tomb. Because Jesus is raised from the dead, and now the name of Jesus is above every other name. Jesus Christ is Lord. And the Lord is not our servant any longer, He is King. We are his subjects, and we bow our knee before him. And so Merry Christmas, everyone, and Happy Holy Day, and let's worship Jesus, our Lord.